love. Like love is the, the, the uniform that we're to wear, right? That Jesus said. The new commandment that He gave us was to love one another. And that's very much, very true in that. Uh, that we are called to love each other and, and we live that out in that way. But today, the, the, the peace that He's going to show His disciples, and I believe He's going to show us, is something that's a little easier to get our hands on. It's actually something you've been wrestling with probably the last few days or maybe some of you last night or maybe last week or last year. For a lot of you, it'll be something you're going to deal with this week coming up. Uh, why? Because that's the way life, what life is all about. You see, in today's text, we find Jesus talking to his disciples and he's just told them that he's leaving and you can't come. Right? A group of men who've given up everything to follow him and he says, I'm leaving and you can't come with me. That news is overwhelming to them. Like, what do you mean? Like everything that I've, I've kind of reoriented my life around this and now you're telling me I can't do it? That, like, that makes no sense. Like, like you're not even making sense to us now, Jesus. You know what it's like to be overwhelmed? I don't know if you've ever found yourself being overwhelmed, but, but uh, Scripture, the Bible calls it being heavy-hearted. I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way, being heavy-hearted. But that's, that's, we call it worried or anxious, anxieties, right? That's what we, those are the words that we use for it. But it all means the same thing. And I, I'll tell you the truth. It's something that, that I have been wrestling with over the last few months, myself personally. Um, I, I have a hard time sleeping at night. That's why uh, the series, this message, I, I planned on calling it a new address. But then I, then I thought... Who Me Worry is a better title for it all. Uh, because I, I fake it very well. Like, nothing bothers me. Oh, yeah, it's fine. It's going to be all right. Don't worry. I tell my wife all the time, don't stop worrying. And yet I get up in the early morning to worry myself, right? <clears throat> I try to fake it out. And I don't know what the source of my worry is either. I don't know if, it, if it's the, my, our kids. I don't know if it's a trip to Sierra Leone. I don't know if it's my taxes. I don't know if it's the other night that our neighbor calls and says, hey, man, your horses are in my front yard. I don't know if it's like having to rebuild a fence. I don't know what exactly the source of my anxieties are, but they seem to come every night around 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't know why anxieties choose 3 o'clock. Like, it would be just as easy to be anxious. Well, no, take that back. Sometimes they do occur like at 10 o'clock when I'm trying to go to sleep. But they never come at 6 a.m. when it would be much more convenient. I could do something about it then, right? But no, it's like, it, it's like when I'm trying to go to sleep or when I'm dead to sleep is when all these worries come into my head and I can't do anything with them. So I do what most of you do, toss and turn. And then I, then I decide, you know, uh, I just get up and get a glass of water. So I get up and I go in the kitchen, get a glass of water, and I pace around the kitchen a couple of, for a couple of minutes. And I'm like, okay, I can, uh, I can go back to sleep now. And I go back in, go to the bathroom, go lay back down, and, oh, no, I can't. So I lay there, and I look at my phone, and I'm thinking, you know what? Just watch a movie. Because you fall asleep every time in the living room. You put a movie in, you fall right asleep. So just watch a movie, and you'll go to sleep. But instead of watching, actually watching the movie, I lay there thinking, okay, so what are you going to watch? Like, you got all this on your Netflix playlist, you know, all these things that you could watch, but you don't want to get ahead because Michelle will make you rewatch it because she wants to watch it. And so, so I sit there going through my list of things. Okay, I could watch Cheers. Like I could watch like all these things that I could do, but then I don't watch anything. I just go through the list and I, I cycle the list through my head. Then I think, you know, what you tell other people is you ought to do it. And you know it works. Is you just write it down. All this stuff that's in your head, just write it down and you can, you can rest. And that does has worked for me in the past, but 
instead. I don't have pen. I don't have paper. So I just lay there thinking, I wish I had some pen and paper. I'd be able to do this. And I think about, so where's my notebook at? Where's my, it's in my backpack. Where's my backpack? And so I, there's more things to think about, right? It's, it's, so it's nothing that overwhelms me, but yet it's everything. It's, oh, being overwhelmed is overwhelming. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but it could be the anything. It could be anything. It could be the test that you have tomorrow. It could be the doctor's appointment. It could be the, the, the conversation you had with somebody earlier that day. and you, 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 I didn't handle that right. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. And, uh, but I can't go back now. And man, what are they going to think of me tomorrow? And, and all this stuff is just one thing. So it could be anything. It could be a bill that's not even due yet. But you know it's going to be due next month. And so, what, oh, how are we going to pay that? i got to remember to pay that because that's, that's not a bill I usually pay. And, and it's just one thing after another that gets us overwhelmed. That is exactly what Jesus is speaking to in chapter 14. That overwhelmed sense that we have is exactly what Jesus is talking into right now, today. He says in verse 1, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, he says. Don't let your hearts be troubled. It's a choice, he says feels that way, doesn't it? Doesn't it always feel like when you're overwhelmed that you feel like, I don't have to do this if I didn't want to? No, it never feels like it's a choice, right? It never, that's, no, it never feels like it. It feels like I, I can't do anything else, right? It's what it is. But Jesus says it's a choice. Now, if worry is a choice, like, God, like the scriptures teach, if worry is a choice, then I think it's wise for us to just kind of look at it out there. Where, what's the source of worry, of anxiety, of a heavy heart, as Jesus referred to it? Well, the first thing is there's hurts from yesterday. There are hurts in our life from yesterday. For the disciples, there was, you know, for them to be heavy-hearted was looking back at all they had given up, all they had left behind, all that they had, they had turned from, their business, their home, their families, their everything to follow Jesus. And now, like, now... All that's wasted. That was wasted effort. They're looking back. You and I look back as well. Like, man, I wish I hadn't have done that. Or the lost job. The lost opportunity. Like, I missed it. I can't believe I missed it. I wasn't even ready for it. Or a friend let you down or hurt you. Or God didn't show up when He was supposed to. Right? All these things are, are real ways we look back at our lives and say, ah, oh, I wish I wouldn't have. I wish I could have. I should have. Bad financial decisions. I wish I wouldn't have made. All those things can become overwhelming. They can make our heart heavy. Or it can be troubles for right now. It can be today's troubles. That's what, when Jesus said he was going to, to build a place for his disciples, they said, oh, well, yeah, but where are you going? And in John in chapter 14, verse 5, he says, no, no, we don't know where you're going, Lord. Thomas, doubting Thomas, that's what he said. He said, we have no idea where you're going, so how are we going to find a way? Hello. How you doing, brother? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's the way I felt just a couple of mornings ago. That's the way I felt just a couple of mornings ago. The troubles of today, we get, we, we get overwhelmed with the situation. Amen? Yeah. Thank you for the visual aid, right? 
We get overwhelmed with, this con- with what we're in the middle of, and we don't know what to do. And so sometimes we do leave the room screaming. But, but for all, many times we don't leave the room screaming. Instead, we just stay stuck in a marriage that we can't believe we got into. Or a relationship. Or a job that now I can't leave because, man, I got too many bills. I can't leave this one. Or financially, just not knowing what to do next. Right? We're stuck. Overwhelmed. We can be overwhelmed by the past and today, but also things we can be anxious about tomorrow. <laughs> How quickly we pull tomorrow's problems into right now. Like we, don't, we, we worry about stuff that we don't have to worry about yet. We pull it into today. We're just going to make it something we're going to be anxious about today. We do that all the time. Well, not we, maybe. I shouldn't say we. I do it all the time. And I have a feeling that many of you do it as well, right? Even those of us who say, ah, don't worry about it. Why are you worried all the time? Like I tell my wife all that all the time. I uh, use that phrase quite often, she would say. And yet, I do it too. Just I don't do it around her. You know, I do it at 3 o'clock in the morning. Or I do it when I'm driving to town or whatever. That's when I get all stressed out and worried. But I don't want to show it. We're like, we're like Philip in, in verse 8 here. He says, Jesus, if you will show us the Father, everything will be okay. If you'll show us the Father, everything will be all right. What he's wanting is some assurance that, that tomorrow, like, okay, this is going to work out. If you just show us God, then I'll know that everything will work out. And that's what we want, right? That's what we want when we're thinking about tomorrow. and We just want to know that it's going to be okay. Fear of losing a job. I just want some assurance that I'm, I'm doing the right thing here, right? We go to our boss and say, am I on track? Am I, you know, we, we, we look for that affirmation. Afraid we can't get it all done tomorrow. So we get stressed out at night and get overwhelmed, right? Because I forgot about that appointment. And if I have to go to that appointment, then how am I going to do that? And, and if I can't do that, then oh my goodness, everybody's going to be waiting on me. Do I have enough to get it all done? It's overwhelming. There are all sorts of reasons. I won't say good reasons, but valid reasons for us to worry. What I want to leave you with today is that there's a better reason not to worry. There's all kinds of reasons to worry. I'm not, going to deny, I'm not going to debate that with you. But there's a better reason not to. There's a better reason not to. You see, peace that we want comes through faith, comes by way of faith. The peace that we want comes as a result of trusting, trusting God, in essence. And when we fail to trust, we fail to have peace because we, 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 we can't rely on the future, right? So we, we don't, we're not at peace. That's why Jesus warns His people again and again and again all throughout Scripture. Trust me. Do not fear. Do not worry, He says. Trust me. Do not fear. Do not worry. You're not alone. Again and again He tells them that. Us that. I'm not going to say, because I don't think Scripture says explicitly, that worry is a sin. So if you're a worrier, I'm not going to say that that's a sin, that's a sin habit of yours. What I will say is that if you're a worrisome person, or if you fake it and just worry when you're by yourself, right, like all of us, then I will say that that's just falling well short of God's desire for your life. I'm not going to say it's a sin. You might consider it that way, and I, I'm not going to argue with you. But, but I will say this, that if you are a worrier, it is, you are falling short of what God's desires for your life. 
We do. Every time we worry. That's not his desire for us. He wants us to trust. So how do we build trust? How do we build trust? My son, against my advice, got a dog. Um, our dog had puppies. Well, he didn't have puppies. That wouldn't work. But he sired some puppies. And uh, as he did, my son was, heard me talking about it. And he said, oh, Dad, I love one. I was like, no. No, you don't want a dog. You're in college. You don't want a dog. He said, oh, yeah, I do. I said, no, you don't. You think you do. But you don't want a dog. And I tried every trick in the book to talk him out of getting a puppy. And I failed miserably, right? So he, wanted, he wound up getting a puppy. And I guess about three weeks ago, I went and picked up this pup and brought it home. And, and whoever built that parsonage, man, they were geniuses. Because into our bedroom, there are two doors. Right? There's a door, and then you go a little ways, and there's another door. So we can close two doors. And those two doors are pretty near puppy-proof, sound-wise. Like, we put the dog in the kennel in the kitchen, close those doors, turn the fan on, and what dog? I was like, that dog can whine all night long, and I could care less, right? I didn't hear it the first couple nights. And then the dog got a little louder, right? The last night, the dog is howling. I mean, you know, that puppy howl. Come and get me kind of howl that the neighbors would hear. But fortunately, they didn't, I guess. But uh, so our son is home, and the dog is howling. And I'm thinking, oh my, <laughs> he can't sleep through this, I know, because his, he doesn't have two doors, he's only got one. And uh, so I get up early the next morning, and I go in the, the dog stopped howling halfway through the night. I'm thinking to myself, see, you knew exactly what to do. You just let the dog howl, and eventually he gets tired and he goes to sleep. That's not what happened at all. No, no, we're even worse. He was sleeping in the kitchen. <laughs> my, son, my son went and laid down in the kitchen and said... I said, what are you doing? He said, Dad, as soon as I laid down, the dog went to sleep. I said, yeah, you created a monster, though. I mean, from now on, you're not going to be able to get away from that thing. Like, he's going to, like, howl when you... He said, Dad, but he slept, and I slept, too, and I don't care. I said, I got it. I got it. I understand. I, I got to thinking this week of how that puppy was stressed out, anxious, worried, all kinds of stuff, you know, whatever's going through a puppy's mind, if something does, does go through their mind, but couldn't control himself. His master comes in and lays down next to him and he's right to sleep. Yeah. Got to thinking how that works for us too, that when we get near our father, God, when we get near him, peace tends to overwhelm our fears as well. So the, how, do we, how do we create that? How do, we, how do we maintain that nearness to God in the midst of worries and stress? Well, I believe this passage that Jesus is trying to, as he's trying to comfort the disciples, we can learn some things that apply to our lives too. After Philip says, show me God, show us God and we'll be okay. Jesus responds, he says, Philip, don't you know me? Don't you know me? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. He said, said you're, you're wanting me to show you God, and I'm, I've been showing you God the whole time, these last three years. Like you, want it, you, think, you think if I show you God, then you'll be at peace. But the reality is that He's been right in front of you this whole time. Don't you know that by now? It was a rhetorical question, obviously. Because He did know that. He did understand that, but... He'd forgotten. So for us, it's to remember God's faithfulness. To remember God's faithfulness. That He has been faithful to you. That He has delivered on His promises to you. That he, that he has saved you. Think about what your life used to be like. Don't think God shows up. Maybe 
Maybe think of a prayer that was answered. A prayer that He answered in your life that you know He answered. Or how He provided for you in a a way that you had no clue how this was going to work and yet He was there. Maybe, maybe you read a verse of Scripture, like you got it on your phone, you open your Bible app, and you just open it up to some of the verses of the day, and it was like, wow. Like that, really? Like it was like God was speaking right to you? Or you got in the car, and you hit scan on the radio, and this Christian music came on, it stumbled across this Christian music station, and a song came on, and you started crying. And it never happened. Maybe it's happened. Or you, were, you heard a sermon or a message or a teaching somewhere. And it was like, the, even the words that were used to, to express a point was like, it was like, just for you. It was like somebody knew your thoughts. God, it's faithfulness. Speaking to you right where you were. That's, that's what that looks like. I think most of us have experienced that. Remember his faithfulness. Secondly, call out to God today. A little while later in this passage, as he's talking to Philip, and he kind of turns his, his focus to all the disciples, he says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll grant it. He says, but the problem is that you don't ask, right? He says that in another passage. That he doesn't, that, that we don't ask. We're, we're too seldom do we ever call out to God. Instead, we decide we can carry our own burdens instead of ever offering it to him. He says in the midst, when, when, when your gut is heavy, when your heart is heavy, when, when you feel overwhelmed, call out to God in the middle of it. Not, you know, so often we will say, you know, this is pretty serious. I guess we should pray. <laughs> right? Like, like, like that's the dumbest thing in the world to say. And even dumber to think, I guess, is that like, you should, we should have been praying all along. Like, why does it have to get that bad that, okay, I guess I'll pray. Right? We, that's silly. We don't have to do that. We don't have to get to the point of the end of us before we get to God. God was there all along. You don't have to get to the end of you. You can start with Him. Call out to Him now. Offer Him everything you've got. Every burden. It, it, scripture says cast all of your cares on God. All of that, That's good and bad cares. Everything you care about, give it to God. And allow Him to take over your concerns. So, remember His faithfulness. Call out to Him today. And third, trust His promises for tomorrow. Trust His promises for tomorrow. The Bible is chocked full of scriptural promises that God has for His people. Again and again and again, He's talking about how He's always going to be there. He's always going to love. He's always going to provide. He'll always heal. He'll always watch over. He'll always guard. He'll always protect. He'll, always, he'll never leave, never forsake. You know, all these things that God says, I'll never, I'll always, you can always count on me. The one thing in this world you can always count on is God. Is God. And so he tells his disciples in verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you. I'll give you a helper to be with you forever, he says. Forever. The Spirit of God is going to be with us Forever. It's a gift of God that He's going to give. The Holy Spirit to come and live in us to, to help us live life. That's a promise of God. That He's going to always be with us. You aren't going to be alone. You may feel alone, but you're not alone. You're never alone. Trusting God with our past, our present, and our future builds our faith. It builds our faith. And as our faith builds, so does our peace. 
We, we get to experience peace. But the peace that, that comes through faith is different than any other kind of peace. I believe when... when well, I'll just tell it this way. When my kids were little, uh, our kids were little. They're not just mine. Half of them are, so she's to blame too. Uh, so... <laughs> So as our kids were small, they would get afraid in their room, right? Like most kids do. They would be like, oh, I hear a noise. I think it's a monster in my closet or, you know, whatever. And so you go in and, and we take them into their room. And, and this is the way I handle it. Uh, not a parenting advice, just telling you what I did. So I would take them into the room and I'd, we'd clear out the closet. We'd look all around. We'd move the clothes around. I'd say, see, there's nothing in there. Now go back to bed. Because I was getting a little frustrated. And they'd go back, they'd crawl back in their bed, and they'd be okay for a few minutes. And then they'd be, Dad, you know, there's a monster under my bed or something, somewhere else in the room. And so I'd come back in a little more frustrated, and I'd get out of bed, and we'd clear out under the bed, and take all the stuffed animals out. And I'd say, See, there's nothing under there. You can go to bed. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be afraid. They'd get back in bed, and they'd, usually something else would happen, right? But all I, I thought I was doing the right thing. But now I realized that all I was doing was trying to provide for them the peace that the world provides. What I mean by that is removing all the things that bother you. That's how we usually, that's how we in the world, I say, think of peace. That if, if I can remove everything that upsets me, if I can remove everything that troubles me, if I don't have any cares in the world, then I'm at peace. That's not the peace that God brings. It's different. It's different. It's very different. You see, Jesus tells his disciples this in verse 27 there, if you were reading along. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. He said. So what's different about Jesus' peace? What's different about His peace than the world's peace? What's, what's unique about it? Well, first, Jesus' peace is, is a peace with God. Jesus is at peace with God. He's at peace with what He has to do. What He's called to do. He's, he's, he's been a perfectly obedient to God. He's, his relationship with God is perfect. It's perfect. He's been perfectly obedient to everything God has told Him to do, told Him to say. He's done it. He's never broken God's will for His life. He's never sinned. Right? So His relationship with God is completely perfect. Ours... Is not originally, right? Adam and Eve, if you remember the story. Adam and Eve came into the world. They chose not to go God's way. They wanted to go their own way. They, wanted, they thought they knew better than God. And so sin entered the world. And that fractured the relationship between God and people. Jesus came to restore that. To restore that relationship. So that curse of sin that was established in, in humanity with, with Adam and Eve, Jesus took care of that. But not only that, because I didn't, I didn't have to watch Adam and Eve learn that sin. I picked it up right on my own. Right? I'm actually pretty good at it. So what, what Jesus did is he said, I'm going to take that sin, that, that that I do, and he's going to forgive that. By trusting, putting my faith in him, he prom God promises to forgive me as I trust in him. That's having my relationship restored to God is the peace that Jesus gives that is with God. That I can be, that you can be at peace with God. You're no longer an enemy of God. They say, oh, I'm kind of a good person. Why would you say I'm an enemy of God? Because sin makes you an enemy of God. 
God's not your enemy, but, but you're His. Because He has a plan, a purpose for this world. Yeah. And every time we sin, we work against God's plan. We, we frustrate God's plan with our sin. And you see, that makes us an enemy of God. But Jesus said, you trust in me and you become a child of God. Become a child of God. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. You're restored into a relationship. You get to experience the peace with God that Jesus can provide. That He gives, not as the world gives. Second kind of peace that Jesus gives, that I believe Jesus experienced, was a divine peace. Was a, was a peace from God. See, there's a peace with God, and there's a peace from God that's, that's transactional. That, Jesus, that God gives to us through Christ. What is that? That's a divine peace. You see, you think about the timeline. What's going on here? They're just finished the Last Supper. It's probably, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night. What happens tomorrow? Jesus is crucified. Mm-hmm. 9 a.m. tomorrow morning in this story, He's on the cross. And where is He? Where do we find Him? He's, he's not worried. He knew what was, He was about to experience. He knew that He was about to be killed. He knew that He was about to be tortured and stood upon and, and Rejected. He knew what, how painful that was going to be. He knew what it was going to be like to be separated from God His Father. He knew everything that was about to happen. And yet, where is He right now? He's at the upper room trying to comfort and encourage those who are overwhelmed. Why? How can He do such a thing? Because He has divine peace. He has peace from God. God's peace has been deposited in him. It doesn't depend on his circumstances. It doesn't depend on whether or not he's going to live tomorrow or not. It doesn't depend on you know, his marriage. It doesn't de- like A peace from God doesn't depend on our financial status, our relationships, our work. It doesn't depend on any of that. Divine peace, peace from God, transcends our circumstances. It transcends. It cuts through. It passes. It's beyond. So, a lady at church this morning at Rom Chapel who had had a pretty extensive surgery a month or so ago, I guess now, uh, two months ago. I don't know. Been a long time. Um, but before the surgery, uh, she was like, "Yeah, I'm going to surgery next week. You know, I'm going to surgery next month." And she'd smile, and you're like, <laughs> "Like it's supposed to be overwhelming." Right? It's supposed to be. I'm going for surgery. Y'all need to pray for me. And she was like, no, God's good. God's got this. And I don't know if she was faking it. She was faking it. She was doing a fantastic job. But I'm telling you what. That she seemed to have this divine peace. That, that she said, God's in control of this whole thing. Don't know how it's going to work out, but he's got it. That's divine peace. It doesn't matter on your circumstances. doesn't matter if the, if the, the, the crabs are going to run this year or not. It doesn't matter if the fish are going to bite. It doesn't matter if it doesn't matter what. It transcends that God is God and He loves me. That God is God and He loves me. This peace, this divine peace, is a gift from God. Jesus said, "I give it to you. You don't have to like say." Oh, well, uh, it's there. I may not pick it up or not. You know, it's not an offer. It's a gift to those who follow Him. To disciples of Jesus. To followers of Christ. It's a gift. He says, I give you my peace. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be good enough to get it. You don't have to do all the right things 
you follow him and he gives, he gives it to you. He gives it to you. He gives it to us. All, all we need to do is love him, he says. And I give my peace. So you may say, okay, well, I'm not a Christian though. So does that leave me out? What am I, a chopped liver? No need to be. In verse 23, I mean, they ask, Jesus, why are you just going to do this just for us? You should do this for the whole world. And Jesus says, what a great idea. (laughs) In verse 24, he says, anybody who wants this can have it. Anybody. There's no reason for anyone to live overwhelmed, worried, anxious. My peace is given to all who want it. All all that you have to do to receive it is love me. Keep my commands, he says, to love one another. That's it. Anybody, everybody is accessible to this peace. I don't know that you came here today, like I said earlier, overwhelmed with life in the last few days or if you're not, then I can assure you it's coming. That there will be a time in the very near future where you'll wake up in the middle of the night uh, with thoughts racing through your head. And I encourage you to, to remember the faithfulness of God. Call out to Him. Call out to Him in the moment. Not, not tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to start reading the Bible tomorrow. No, no, no. God woke you up at 3 o'clock in the morning and just start reading it then. And trust Him. Trust His promises for tomorrow. And as we live into that relationship, we will find the peace because He gives it to us. He doesn't doesn't promise it and not deliver. He gives it to all who believe. I'd like to pray for you. Then we're going to share Holy Communion, which is is a moment to receive God's grace in a real and a practical way. You may say, what does this peace look like? It looks like this table that we're about to share. It looks like the body and the blood of Christ that was poured out and broken for you, for me, for many, for the forgiveness of sin. That's what this peace looks like. So when you wonder, did I get it? You'll know that you got it. His grace is as tangible today, it's as tangible as these elements that we're about to share together. I want to pray for you though. God, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for always being there. 